0: what is up guys welcome to a brand new episode of the d-pad connect podcast i'm your host george and thank you for joining me for another week of a lot of nerdy news so much to cover today so much that my little nerdy heart cannot contain so thank you guys for joining us this week and before we get into just the whole rigmarole into everything else I want to start with a little bit of housekeeping. So I want to start off by thanking those of you who have joined our Facebook community page and for just coming in and being a part of this, this journey that we're taking. Uh, so we welcome you. I welcome each and every one of you to the Facebook community page under DPad Connect. And thank you for liking the page and also inviting uh, others to, to be a part of this also. So if you haven't done so, feel free to do so. Um, We're not like some super exclusive club that you can't get into. Um, All are welcome. Um, This is where all of our hobbies kind of come together and we're able to talk about just things that we're so passionate about. So, so thankful to have you guys as a part of our community. If you haven't done so, once again, go ahead and share that with others who may be interested. Um, Secondly, we are now officially a part of... Anchor, which is a podcast distribution site, which has already distributed our podcast to Spotify. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm really excited about that. I'm really happy to be able to have the the podcast even though it's just on episode two now but uh, i'm really thankful to have it on spotify and we're actually in the works of having it go to itunes also so whether you're an apple user or an android user you will have access to both of those platforms to be able to listen to our podcast which i am very thankful to have the opportunity to bring to both of those platforms so um you know and this is more for those of you i've gotten a few questions where people were wondering if we were ever going to just do youtube only um but i'm glad that we're able to bring uh this format to those of you that just listen in audio form um i'm a father so i get it sometimes it's just easier to pop in you know a podcast on the road and and you know just do it that way rather than sitting and finding time to sit in front of youtube and do that so um Grateful to be able to do that for you guys, and then uh, yeah, so that's all the housekeeping I have for today. But let's get into what we're actually going to talk about for this whole episode—not um, not just this one topic, but. We have so many things to talk about. We're going to talk about all the news that has come out of this week as we go into E3 week. Um, We're going to talk about the Far Cry 6 details and release date that we got this past week. We're going to talk about all those rumors about the Nintendo Switch Pro, which seem to be setting Twitter ablaze right now. If you go on anybody's mentions in in the prominent gaming communities, that seems to be one of the things that you're seeing a lot of, especially within this week. And uh, we're going to definitely talk about Nintendo in the midst of all of this. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. I'm also going to talk about how God of War Ragnarok was officially confirmed to be a 2022 game, um, which isn't too much of a big deal, but we'll get into that. And also uh, Battlefield 6 set to be revealed soon and we'll talk about that also and the main topic of the show today for those of you wondering is going to be everything about E3 we're going to touch on a bunch of subjects um, regarding E3 the conferences I have some dates and times for you guys so that you guys can be aware of everything coming out um, starting on the 10th and I'm looking forward to share that with you but before we do we always love to start with what have we been playing But it seems like we have to broaden this up a bit and talk about also what we've been watching or reading, at least in my case. I've been reading a bunch. I I actually finished Invincible, which I'll get to. But as far as what I've been playing, it's funny. I was talking to a, a buddy of mine recently, and I realized that I go through these gaming slumps and these gaming slumps bring me to a place where I start looking for just something that'll just keep me entertained until the next big title comes out that I'm interested in. In this case, Ratchet and Clank Rich Rift Apart, uh, which is my most one of my most anticipated games for the year, since I love the franchise, which if you guys watched or listened to episode two, you guys know how much I love the thing. So I I'm, I'm in this gaming slump and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Alright, what am I gonna play? You know, I I can buy something new but nothing that's out at the moment is catching my interest and I started actually going back to ratchet and clank ps4 um, to try to get the platinum on that so I've been working on that I've also been going back to just little things here and there on PlayStation Plus that I've missed Um, I've been playing some overwatch again just little things to keep me entertained until Rift Apart comes out Resident Evil was the last game to really capture me like that and really get me to a place where that's all I focused on but Unfortunately it's just one of those things that even having a next-gen console sometimes that won't remedy the issue excuse me when you don't have much to play so here we are gaming slump week number two hopefully that'll that'll hurry up and uh, get situated soon with the release of rift apart. Um, And uh, I'm looking forward to definitely playing that. But as far as what I've been playing, that's all I've been playing. Um, I'm kind of just dibbling and dabbling here and there on little things that will keep me entertained until then. Uh, The the other thing is I've also been watching things more frequently because of the fact that I'm in a gaming slump and I don't know what to play really. Uh, And I finished Castlevania, guys. I finished Castlevania. So if I could insert a round of applause here, I would because the last season of Castlevania did not disappoint, guys. For those of you guys that are looking for an, a Netflix show that's based on a video game property, um, something that'll keep you entertained from beginning to end. And I understand, like I said in my kind of like small review last, the the last episode, uh, that some of the seasons are a bit rough. Like season one is really short. It's only four episodes and season 2 was really where you get into the nitty-gritty of things and things start to pick up and then season 3 was really meh kind of just came and went for me it's not a memorable season by any by any means but let me tell you guys let me tell you i'm going to sound like Hulk Hogan now let me tell you brother season 4 of this show was so good that I, as I describe the season or the series finale, um, there's a first off. There's a bunch of fight scenes, and you know between Alucard, between uh, Trevor, just all these different characters that we love, the main trio. Um, I always, I'm gonna lie to you guys. I always forget the girl's name for some reason, um, but the just the fight scenes alone in this last season lived up to the hype of what Castlevania, the show itself, was always meant to be. Um, It gave you the same feeling that season two gives you with a lot of the fight scenes and the buildup. But you can tell that obviously this season was tasked with wrapping up many loose ends. So therefore, that's why the fighting was much more prominent uh, to go ahead and finalize a lot of these character arcs and a lot of these moments that were meant to uh, build up certain characters. And so, I was describing the final, the penultimate episode, to to a friend of mine, and just telling him that there was a one fight scene that makes you feel like you're playing a Castlevania game. Uh, this fight scene reminded me of the if for those of you that are familiar with Castlevania, there's there's boss fights where you kind of have to climb different. Uh, you know, platforms to try to get to the head of the boss to hit him with the whip or whatever character you're playing with. Um, in some cases, most cases, whip because you're playing as Belmont in most cases, other than Alucard. But it reminded me of one of those moments in the game. And I'm not saying that the character had to jump some platforms to go ahead and get things done because this is obviously a show. You know, <laughs> there's animation involved, there's things that make it look way better. But this final fight scene. Man, did it capture the essence of what Castlevania always reminds me of when I play it and that feeling it gives me? And I'm not saying Castlevania is one of my prominent gaming franchises that I normally gravitate to. Um, we hear the term Metroidvania get thrown around a lot, you know, especially because of Metroid and Castlevania having the same type of layout when it comes to level design. But Castlevania, man, that show. It just The season was just perfect. I think it was the best way to send the show off. Um, and I'm really looking forward to see if Netflix really does anything with any of any other video game properties. I really do hope that is the case. Um, so yeah, I finished Castlevania, guys. Uh, for this season, I'm definitely giving it a 9 out of 10. That is my personal opinion. Doesn't have to be yours. But I really enjoyed this final season. I think it blows every other season out of the water. I think the only season that kept up with it was really season two. Um, and those of you that have watched the show can understand why I mean that. Uh, I can't, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. I don't need anybody coming after me in the comments. Or for those of you that do know where I live, I don't need you coming to visit me if I ruined something for you. So. That's what I've been watching, and based on a recommendation of a friend of mine, I've just moved on to watching Yausuke, which gives me a lot of Samurai shampoo vibes, um, especially because of the lo-fi hip-hop. Uh, I was telling somebody today that the only thing I really listen to now is lo-fi hip-hop. There's lo-fi hip-hop for everything, guys. There's lo-fi hip-hop for gaming, They where they take Beats and just inspiration from all these other video game franchises and give it this lo-fi feel. Um, There's anime lo-fi. There's just lo-fi for everything. So if you haven't listened to lo-fi hip-hop, I recommend it. It's my go-to study music. It's my go-to music for pretty much everything because it just soothes me and and, and really excites me at the same time with some of the, you know, the the video game inspirations that they take from. Um, So... Started Yawske. I'll let you guys know how that is. It's only about six episodes. Uh, So maybe for the next podcast, I'll give you a quick rundown on that. And finally, what I finished reading, which I'm very excited to announce, is that I finished reading Invincible, all three compendiums. I, I really wish I had the sound effect machine. I'd be the worst with one of these soundboards. You'd hear like the like the the DJ sound that you'd probably hear that going off every two seconds every time I say one word. Um, I'd be the worst, but <laughs> nonetheless invincible. I can understand. I to me, my personal opinion and opinion. Excuse me, I can't speak today. My personal opinion is that it ended on a perfect note. And really, I'm going to have to just do a podcast to talk about all the spoilers and everything in it that I really enjoyed. Uh, based on the show, I can see how the show is going to be, is not it present a lot of these character arcs or a lot of these story arcs much sooner than the comics did. Because obviously comics have a job to do with building up story so that you can continue to purchase, you know, the next issue. Uh, with a show, just being able to just shotgun all the episodes onto a uh, onto a media app or onto a streaming app, you know, that, that serves a good purpose for the, you know, for a show because you're able to get the things much quicker than you are in a comic book. So that that's enough on that, but invincible, just the final, the final issue, which I believe was issue 148, was such a perfect culmination to everything in Mark's story. Um, I really connected with the story itself. I really enjoyed it. I tend to gravitate towards underdog stories, but to see a character who has Superman-like powers go through the things that he goes through, realize the things that he realizes, and even enter different stages of his life, which, once again, I can't go into because it would be spoiler territory, but just see him grow up throughout all these issues. And yes, some story arcs really didn't click for me. Um, there's a lot of things that I'll reiterate will not connect or will not resonate today the way they did when these comics were written, which if I'm not mistaken was like in 2004, 2005, they started, uh, Robert Kirkman started doing doing the Invincible series. I, and I'm going to have to look that up, but I, I'm pretty sure that's around that time. So a lot of the wording, a lot of the themes sometimes don't resonate the same within today's uh, society and culture. But nonetheless, it's a series that I think just lives up to the hype. It lives up to what I love about comic books. And I'm so glad that I invested into three compendiums worth of of this of this amazing story surrounding Mark and uh, and, you know, just his adventures and seeing him grow. So uh, I highly recommend if you have not read Invincible to go ahead and, you know, buy these compendiums. They're actually fairly cheap given how many comics they give you. Usually compendiums, if it was a Marvel compendium, which for those listening that don't know what a compendium is, it's a collection of a bunch of comics. Either for a specific story arc or just for the actual uh, comic itself. Um, so this, this, these compendiums have about 50 comics each. And they go for about forty-five bucks to fifty, but you're getting, you know, a dollar a comic if you think about it that way. But you know, that's that's math, and I hate math. So <laughs> uh, I highly recommend if you have not read Invincible to read it. You don't have to be the snotty comic book reader that says, well, I read the comics and, you know, the show is different. The show is always going to be different. The books are never going to, you know, the show is never going to live up to the books. The books are never going to live up to the show. It can be vice versa. But I guarantee you reading Invincible will be a great read. If you pick it up and take the time to invest into it, three compendiums worth, 148 comics, I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed um, in reading Mark's story. So that's enough about Invincible. I can gush all day about that. Let's get into this week's stories. Let's go ahead and touch on a bunch of gaming news, and uh, we'll go from there. So this week is mainly gaming-centered, really because E3 starts on June 10th, and I'm so excited for E3, and... Although I say E3 starts June 10th, it's really Summer Games Fest starts on the 10th. And then E3 starts the 12th to about the 15th. Um, We have a bunch of things we're going to get into with that. But let's first start with a game that I have a love-hate relationship with. Far Cry, the series itself. But we got more details on Far Cry 6, which has officially received an October 7th release date. Um, Takes place on the island of Yara which is like an urban-type Cuba-inspired city. And the reason, Cu- the you know, the country of Cuba is kind of thrown around a lot is, uh, is really because, I said country. Oh, wow, I'm sorry, guys. Cuba gets thrown around a lot. <laughs> it's because it's stuck in time. And, you know, if, if you guys know, Cuba is really... Um, you know, and it has its own feel to it, like its own antiquated feel that kind of brings some beauty to it as well. But the Island of Yara is really inspired by this. Um, you get to play as a character by the name of Dani Rojas. And in the in the gameplay trailers, it's mainly a female protagonist that's portrayed. But you are able to pick from a female or male protagonist under the same name, still Danny Rojas, um, you're a military dropout from what the the director was speaking about concerning the character. You're military dropout, and uh, there's a turn of events that place you in direct opposition to the big bad guy of this whole game. Who, if you guys have been keeping up with Far Cry, you guys know it's Giancarlo Esposito, who I love as an actor. He's of Mandalorian and Breaking Bad fame. Um, he was Gus Frink, if I'm not mistaken, in Breaking Bad, and in Mandalorian, of course, he is Moff Gideon. So he is playing Anton Castillo in this game, um, and the game really has like a guerrilla warfare feel. So, and I'm going to get into this in a bit, but this is this is what's really getting my attention is that guerrilla warfare feel. Um, I love the way they're trying to tell a very HBO-like quality story, and the HBO-like quality story term is getting thrown around by IGN, just giving, giving them props for saying that. I didn't make that up on my own. But you can tell just watching from the trailers that they're really trying to tell a story. Like They're trying to take a more serious approach. There's the comedy that you find in every Far Cry game. But for the most part, it's great to see that they're trying to up their level of storytelling within Far Cry games because this is where I get into my love-hate relationship speech now. So buckle in, because those some of you listening know my love-hate relationship with the Far Cry series. So my first Far Cry game was Far Cry 3. I fell in love with Far Cry 3. I loved the island feel. I loved... Not the story. The story wasn't that great. I loved Voss, who was the, the bad guy for most of the beginning part. If you haven't played Far Cry 3 at this point, I'm sorry. I'm going to spoil everything, but... You know, you think Voss is the big bad for the whole game, but then the, uh, like the late half of the game near the end is really anticlimactic. Everything before that feels great, but at the end it's pretty much like you're taking down just a normal bad guy. Rather than somebody who's very intriguing, rather than somebody who's really testing your wit, who's just psychotic. You know, I mean, I mean, the guy has a speech speaking about insanity, right? That's that's how he got famous. Um, If I'm not mistaken, the guy's uh, the actor's name is Michael Mondo, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know he was in uh, Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming. So that was great uh, to see him there. But it's one of those things that I loved everything about it. I loved being chased by Cassavaries, which I'm very scared of. Those things come out of the bushes like you owe them money. And I'm pretty sure you have to run. Every time you see one, because it's either that or it's it's you're getting claws on site and that's about it. <laughs> but uh, I loved everything about it. I love the island feel. I loved the hunting. I, I'm very I love to open up the map and collect everything that that's needed um, and just I love getting collectibles, like I said, and I just love the sense of exploration it brought, um, especially it being one of my first games. Like I said, the only gripe I had with it was the last part. But moving on, I got Far Cry 4 when the PS4 had first launched. I didn't beat it. I for some reason just couldn't get into it. One of my very favorite one of my favorite voice actors was the villain Pagan Min. It was it was Troy Baker. I love Troy Baker. I'm a big fan of Troy Baker. I hope I get to meet him one day. But I just couldn't get into it. It was trying to do what Far Cry 3 did to me, but just didn't live up to it. All right, we move on from Far Cry 4. I tried it. I didn't get into it. Far Cry Primal comes up. Now, one of my best friends knows this story, but I remember being excited about it and then trading in the game about two weeks later because I just couldn't get into it any longer. They tried doing something that felt more like a DLC. You were Yeah, you were a caveman or, you know, um, uh, I, I forget exactly what you were, but I'm pretty sure it was it was prehistoric age. So, yeah, you were about a caveman and you had spears. That was pretty cool. You, you hunted, you know, saber tooth tigers and you could ride one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there was just a bunch of things to do within that time frame. But it felt once again like just a DLC. Now we fast forward to Far Cry 5, which I actually beat. So I only beat, at this point Far Cry 3 and Far Cry 5. So Far Cry 5 really I beat it. I <laughs> it's not memorable. It didn't have its hooks in me. It just didn't do anything for me. And that's where you know the last Far Far Cry experience I had was Far Cry 5 uh given the fact that 6 is now being released this year. But this trailer is giving me those far cry three feels. i feel like i can actually play this i don't know if it's just the exotic locations or what but i just love being able to just have an open lush world and just go out and do what i want to do so um i can ramble on about my love hate relationship with far cry but i am intrigued by far cry six i will wait and see this is not a pre immediate pre-order for me i will wait and see and who knows Black Friday is literally a month after it can wait that long to get it on a deep sale, But I am intrigued by what they're trying to do and everything that they're going to do with it. Um, There's Fangs for Hire again, which is pretty cool when you can have an animal companion. I think they have a little weenie dog named Chorizo, which is pretty cool because he has, I guess his back legs don't work. So he's, you know, he has little wheels to kind of let him navigate and he brings you stuff and he's very cute. So that's pretty cool. Um, Or you can get if I, I saw that if you pre-order you can get like a, a panther or some sort of tiger named Champagne which seems very fancy um, you know as you call out for Champagne as it's mauling somebody in a corner somewhere so uh, seems very intriguing I challenge I don't challenge you but <laughs> I I implore you I I sound so diplomatic I I really. Recommend that if you're interested in this game, watch the gameplay trailer. They have a breakdown of it, they have a breakdown on the story, on the gameplay. I think it's pretty cool. The weapons are back, the weapons have always been a big aspect of Far Cry, especially when you have those crazy inventor guys. Because the cool thing is, because Yada is kind of stuck in time, it's kind of a little bit antiquated. These, uh, ge- these guerrilla warfare warriors, these guerrilla warriors have to resort to using things within their environment to make better weapons. So like the guy that, that creates these weapons for you has <laughs> this really cool backpack that just launches grenades out of it, or a mini gun that has like a motorcycle motor attached to it, which I saw in one of the trailers. Um, and they kind of point out immediately to let you know, but I'm looking forward to what else they got to offer about it. I'm pretty sure Ubisoft will talk more about it during their E3 week presentation, which we'll get to. But for the most part, it is on my list. Now, moving on. That is enough about Far Cry. So, the Nintendo Switch Pro. That has been, as I opened up, as I stated when I opened up, that has been all over Twitter. That has been all over the major game sites. It's something that's very prominent right now. It's something that gamers really want with the Switch being such a successful console. And I'm taking a swig of water. But I, I won't lie to you. It's definitely something that Nintendo needs. So... Let me give you guys the specs or the rumored specs. And this is according to Tom's guide. So credit to Tom's guide for the for the article. But it's a 4K Switch. So it's going to be 4K. It is rumored to be released in September. And it's supposed to be on par somewhat with the PS5 and the new Xbox Series X. So in reading that, there's a few things that I have to point out with Nintendo. I've been a Nintendo lover It was my first console. I had a Super Nintendo. Uh, I I didn't play the older Nintendo unless it was a hand me down, which I owned one at one point. But Nintendo has always been able to capture its audience with the type of, with the established games that it has, with the established franchises that it has Pokemon, Zelda, Metroid, Mario, you know, and others that I probably just immediately forgot to name because I blanked out. But you can go to those four immediately and know that those are games of prominence. Those are franchises of prominence within Nintendo's um, pretty much catalog that they can pull out at any moment and just get people to buy a bunch of consoles or a bunch of handhelds. So one of the things that Nintendo needs is, yeah, they do need this pro console because, and I, and once again, I was speaking to a friend about this this week, just recently, when you set up a Nintendo Switch on a 4K TV, it looks like you're playing a Nintendo 64 sometimes. <laughs> and I'm being very facetious, but playing the Switch on a 4K TV, you might as well just downgrade and put it on a 1080p. And, and maybe you have a 1080p TV and it looks perfectly fine, but for some reason, Nintendo's games just don't do well, or hardware, I, I, I I, I say, is better yet said, is, is the hardware. The hardware doesn't do as well at, as any of the other competitors. It's never done been as powerful as the other competitors. That's where they lack. So to see them taking this approach to really understand that that's where they need to work in order to provide a higher, a, quality experience for gamers who are adults because really realistically i have a six-year-old she plays the switch all the time but she's not looking for 4k graphics this is definitely tailored to 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 go directly at the adult market so that they're able to have people who feel like hey or adults that can say hey i have a console that actually looks pretty good especially on my 4k tv or it sounds really good on my surround sound whatever the case may be so with them having this rumored for a september release with them with the rumors being that it's a 4k switch with some nvidia technology in it and um, an oled screen for handheld mode which trust me you don't want to buy that for any kid oled screens are expensive but it's one of those things that they desperately need. And I really hope that this is true. I really hope this is not just a rumor. It's not a day one purchase for me, at least, because I don't play my Switch enough, either on the go or at home. I I kind of relegated it recently to being just a Pokemon and Zelda machine, really, and Mario machine, and more of a machine that my kids use. But I think this is definitely going to be a great asset Uh, for their hardware line to have this switch pro and it can be it's going to be the beginning of many more things to come hopefully this opens up their thinking to not only thinking that their catalog their gaming catalog is going to be able to make all the money for them we know that it's been able to do so until now but the market is vastly changing and with with higher end consoles coming out year after year or different iterations of it we need they need to understand that it's just not going to cut it anymore if they don't reinnovate or if they don't uh if they don't reinvent the wheel in a way or you know or grab onto what's working within the market right so leading into the next Nintendo story based on this Nintendo switch pro rumor, Nintendo actually announced today on Wednesday that their e three that their Nintendo Direct, excuse me, I, I was, that was a tongue twister for me, their Nintendo Direct for E3 is actually going to be on June 15th, and it's going to be at 9 a.m. Pacific time and 12 p.m. Eastern time, and it's going to be strictly, it's going to strictly revolve around software, which is great, so right off the bat, I want to say that there's definitely going to be some Breath of the Wild 2 news, which I'm hoping for. Fingers crossed. Um, Hopefully that Metroid Prime 4 that everybody's been waiting for gets announced. Story has some sort of update. Um, We're probably going to see more about Pokemon, um, the remakes that are coming out for Pearl and for Pearl and Diamond. Uh, We are probably going to see some other news that we're just not expecting for games coming out maybe in 2022, 2023. Uh, and hopefully we get to see the rest of their releases for the rest of this year, which I'm really hoping Breath of the Wild 2 is there in that, in that release um, slate for this year. I think we've been waiting. <laughs> but I have one question in the midst of all of this. There's a very special anniversary this year for my favorite franchise that Nintendo owns, The Legend of Zelda, 35th Anniversary. And Pokemon is getting a better anniversary celebration than Zelda is. Don't get me wrong. I love Pokemon. I'm an avid Pokemon fan. But if your only response to the 35th anniversary of one of your biggest franchises is the Skyward Sword HD, which isn't even a full remake. It's literally they took the same game. They painted it with some nice little colors to fit on the Switch made it run a little bit better on the switch. And then that's about it. So that can't be the only response that you have for such a big and momentous occasion, that being a 35th anniversary for the Legend of Zelda franchise. It just can't be it. (laughs) So my question to Nintendo is, show us more, you cowards. Hopefully, they release more news on something coming out. I mean, if they can get me a full remake of like up and down remake for Ocarina of Time on that new Switch Pro. Let me tell you something. That's an automatic buy for me because Ocarina of Time is my favorite game of all time. And uh, I wouldn't mind a full remake of it, which is kind of cool to see because you have a lot of people on the Internet who actually take like the Unreal Engine and remake like a whole section of Ocarina of Time and what it would look like if Nintendo actually used Unreal, which would be great, but that's either here nor there, (laughs) those are just the wishes of one nerd over here, but I really hope that Nintendo shows everything that they need to show, and right after that, they stated in their announcement today that there will be a 3 hour Nintendo Treehouse to follow, which Nintendo Treehouse, for those of you guys that are unaware, is pretty much where they talk about their announcements during the Direct and where they where they pretty much show gameplay for games that are ready they talk a little bit more in depth about other games that are probably not ready but you know they give you more details so it's good for those of us that like to take a deep dive into kind of like the nitty-gritty of everything going on behind the scenes but it's definitely for those of you that are interested it's right after the nintendo direct three hours worth of talking about different games nintendo's working on so sounds pretty good to me uh and of course, that leads us into our, our our main topic of the show today, which is E3 week. E3 week is is pretty much Christmas for gamers. Uh, I remember when I finally really started diving into being into looking at video game websites and and just kind of trying to pay attention to everything going on on the video game landscape. I realized that E3 was a thing. I didn't even know this beforehand, and. Once it started being televised on the internet and I remember the Spike TV days where all the conferences were always on Spike TV uh, where you didn't have to really look for them or, or, or do any extra research. They were kind of just very accessible. I remember just watching my first conference and just every year after that just really I, me and my wife just take time and we just set aside time that night and we we prepare like if we're anticipating a very big gift uh, for Christmas, which is E3, all hail E3. But obviously, E3 has changed quite a bit. There are companies that do their own thing on days that are not normally during the week. So I kind of want to give you guys a breakdown of all of that. I want to give you get, inform you guys on all the conferences and all the things happening starting June 10th. And June 10th is the pretty much the beginning. It kind of it's kind of the party that sets everything off. But it's Summer Games Fest by Jeff Keighley who is the creator of the Game Awards. And it's from 11 a.m. Pacific time or 2 p.m. Eastern time for those of us here on the East Coast. And it's one of those things that kind of gives you insight to... There are big announcements. It's kind of like the Game Awards in a sense where you get those big announcements from companies that don't have a traditional platform to go ahead and release these trailers. For example, if it's a smaller company that doesn't, Work for Ubisoft or Sony or for any other big company, they kind of just go to the Summer Games Fest and they show your, you know, their details for their new game there. So, Summer Games Fest is always something I look forward to because it kind of starts off the summer right, gaming wise, with all the announcements and everything that they uh, show. So, that's June 10th and 2 p.m. Eastern Time over here on our end. And June 12th, when well, June 11th, for and Clank Rift Apart, just had to throw that in there. <laughs> but June 12th, we have uh 3 p m eastern we have ubisoft who will be having their ubisoft forward which is normally their type of press conference i won't lie they're probably just going to show some more far cry 6 gameplay probably talk about something assassin's creed related watch dogs whatever the case may be one of their big franchises but uh i've fallen away from being a big ubisoft fan as of lately uh which you can refer to my talk on far cry if you want to if you want to know why Right at the beginning of this uh, podcast. But it's one of those things that... It just never really interests me year after year. I watch it to watch it. To see if something surprises me. For example, the Prince of Persia HD remake that they're releasing. I think it's still this year. It got delayed. But that intrigued me because I like Prince of Persia a lot. Especially the that that specific remake that they did with the three games. Warrior Within is still my favorite because of all the crazy combos you can do. Uh, I mean, I don't know any other game where you can do capoeira with two knives and and take somebody's head and legs off at the same time, but (laughs) I really enjoyed that series nonetheless. And that's really, other than Far Cry, that's really where it is for me. I'm not big on Ubisoft. Like, I I played Immortals Phoenix Rising this year, and I know it was a sleeper hit for a lot of people, but... I just really couldn't get into it. I don't know. It reminded me too much of Breath of the Wild, but in the moments that I really didn't enjoy of Breath of the Wild, and overall Breath of the Wild is a really good great good game, but it j- I couldn't I couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into it. It's kind of like I was in one of those slumps again. But Ubisoft Forward, June 12th, moving on to June 13th, we have the Xbox and Bethesda Games Showcase, which I'm definitely looking forward to I own an Xbox one uh, series S and I'm definitely looking forward to see what's coming to games pass, which is such a great deal, especially for those of us that maybe don't, you know, especially even if you do use a game, an Xbox often, or if you use it periodically, regardless, you're not paying $60 for some of these big titles that are just great. They're just great. And I just look forward to seeing what what Microsoft and Bethesda are going to show or Xbox and Bethesda because Microsoft owns both. But (laughs) but Xbox and Bethesda are going to show, I mean, hopefully more Starfield news, hopefully some Elder Scrolls, some of the stuff that we've been missing. I'm not big on Fallout. I have friends who are really big on Fallout. I enjoy it for what it is. But I'm an avid supporter of just revamping that whole engine that they use for a lot of these games. Because uh, let me tell you, man, I'm tired of talking to somebody and the guy is like running into a bar stool as I'm trying to talk to him. Like, dude, I just need the quest. Can you please stop walking away from me? (laughs) But I I look forward to see what Bethesda does. I'm a big Dishonored fan. So hopefully something Dishonored. I know they have Deathloop uh, as a PS5 exclusive coming out in September, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm looking forward to that. But uh, until then, I'm looking forward to I think I've said I'm looking forward like 50 times, but I really am looking forward to what Xbox and Bethesda are going to do together now having now Bethesda having those Microsoft resources. And I'm also looking forward to what Xbox has first party. You know, the studios that they've acquired, they've been buying up studios left and right. I know that I love Gears of War. I know that I love I love I just started liking Halo. I won't say I love it. I like it for what it is, but I'm a big Gears fan. I love Fable. I would love to have... I can't wait to play the new Fable game when that finally gets revealed fully. But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they have. And I'm definitely in anticipation of seeing how this partnership is going to pan out. So... Lots to watch there. Once again, that's on June 13th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, the Xbox and Bethesda Games Showcase. And finally, I unfortunately do not have any news on Sony. Sony is currently unknown, and they currently have not announced anything for their, their plans. They usually do a state of play now. Sony hasn't been at E3 for a few years now, and... They normally resort to doing a quick state of play, kind of like Nintendo does their Nintendo Direct uh, in order to go ahead and talk about their big games and everything that's coming out to the console, either this year or within the next few years. So when that hopefully for the next podcast, we have some news on that for you guys. But in the meantime, nothing from them to announce besides the fact that uh, God of War Ragnarok officially got delayed into 2022, which isn't really surprising, to be honest with you guys. I didn't expect that game to come out at all this year. There hasn't been anything leading up to this year being a release date. I know that they kind of teased it last year with 2021, but let's be real. We were in the middle of a pandemic. Working situations have changed. I really did not expect a big budget game like that to be released this year with no prior anticipation, no trailers, no anything else. So my final thought is, is that God of War Ragnarok is confirmed to come to PS4. So we'll see how that pans out. But Overall, I am definitely looking forward to E3 week and discussing it with you guys. I'm going to have all of my highlights about it. I'm going to have all of my thoughts about it. So I can't wait to share that with you guys. But until then, guys, thank you so much for listening to the D-Pad Connect podcast. Thank you for listening to me. Really, thank you for taking the time to, to just listen, to watch on YouTube. So once again, if you want to join our Facebook community, just go ahead and go to Facebook uh, and search D-Pad Connect, and you can join our community there and also like our page. If you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, it is also under, no surprise here, D-Pad Connect. Uh, Feel free to subscribe, like the video, share with your friends. And last, you can find this on Anchor and Spotify at the moment. You can search under D-Pad Connect, and we will also have the link to that week's podcast within every post um, regarding the podcast itself on our Facebook pages. So uh, we look forward to continuing this nerdy journey with you guys. Thank you so much once again for listening to everything that I had to say. Um, One thing that I will say that I did not talk about before I end is the Battlefield 6 reveal which is on june 9th we'll talk about that when we see it nothing much to announce on that end but until then i thank you once again for listening for watching on youtube and as always remember to be well and continue to nerd on guys i'll see you on the next one